Well, it was an identical week for the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds, but they did it entirely in different ways, <laughs> as you're going to hear coming up in just a few moments. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell, and alongside is our resident Reds expert, Blake Watson, and the Reds and the Indians. I'll tell you what, they ended up each 3-3 three and three last week, Blake, but... The Reds did it slowly, the Indians did it fast, and then they switched, uh, I guess you could say posts, and the Reds ended up sweeping a doubleheader from Detroit, and the Indians lost the last three against the Twins. So both teams did identical, but they did it in different ways. Oh, I think I feel pretty good. Um, one on Indy yesterday, could have ended the day at 2-7, and seven, and the day at 4-5. and five. Uh a sweep of uh, Detroit, who kind of beat the Reds up opening weekend. Um, to get that really quality start out of Anthony DiSclafani, that was big, too. Adding another layer to a rotation that's as good as there is in baseball, um, except for maybe Cleveland. <laughs> I was going to say, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, there, you can argue that those are the two best rotations in baseball. Oh, I agree. I agree. Right um, now, the way it stands, yeah, I agree with you, Blake. They, they both are. I think they have what has been the two best pitchers in each league. Um, I think Luis Castillo had a little bit of a rough outing against Detroit, but Gray and Bauer are unconscious. Uh, Dee Slafani is a high-end arm. Command's finally coming back. Got a chance to be really good. This 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 uh, week has got a chance to be a fun week in Ohio. You know, I, I hate to be an I told you so, but those of you who thought that Trevor Bauer was the pitcher that you got last year in the second half of the season were sorely mistaken. I've seen Trevor Bauer pitch for two and a half years for the Cleveland Indians, and I'll tell you, Blake, he is one outstanding pitcher, and he is a workhorse. He is an old-time throwback. Well, yeah, I mean, most guys don't even pitch yesterday if they're uh, after the Saturday bullcrap, um, where Trevor Bauer went on Saturday, got completely ready to pitch. Eight minutes prior to uh, first pitch, Detroit rings out the game. So most guys, once they get all the way through their warm-up, don't come back a day later. <laughs> and you could tell he was tired. His velo was down. Command was a little off. I watched him in an interview after the game, though, and he flat said, I know coming into the day they weren't scoring on me. And I love that mentality, man. He he is that type of competitor. And, you know, I want to jump back to early last week, Blake, when there was a game with the Cubs that was in a rain delay, and the Cubs were extremely upset. Why is everybody, I mean, Bauer did it on Saturday, the Cubs did it earlier in the week. What seems to be the problem with the Reds and their rain delay situations? Yeah, I don't know. The uh, That one was all on Detroit, though. Because they were on the road, I think they thought they were going to get it in or at least get started, and it just never happened. Um, I don't know why they rained it out so early. I guess to let the teams go home, back to the hotel, I guess, and then get ready for the doubleheader on Sunday. 
Well, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. Why did they let them go home? And I think it has a lot to do, and you and I are going to get into this discussion. I know we might as well start it off right now. These seven-inning doubleheaders, where each game is seven innings. I know you texted me. I was on my way back from Chicago yesterday. You texted me that you love it. And they said one of the reasons that Manfred and the Players Union decided to go with it this way is because they didn't want the ball players hanging around the ballpark with the possibility of this COVID-19 hanging over their heads for 11 or 12 hours. They wanted to shrink the games by two innings each and keep them there maybe only seven or eight hours. And realistically, Blake, that's the way it worked out yesterday for the Reds and the Tigers. The game started at what, at 110, and I think it got over around 730? They actually didn't start until around 2, but they were supposed to start at noon. So they actually started yesterday with a two-hour rain delay. Okay. And still got both games in faster than you would have gotten two nine-inning games. So, yeah. I mean, I from a baseball fan perspective, I don't like it. But as a viewing option, it's so much better. You, we watch two games in a matter of time than it takes to watch one Yankees-Red Sox game. Oh my they gosh. They play four and a half hour baseball games. Yeah. And, and obviously, I work in college sports, so I see a lot of doubleheaders in college are set in two seven inning games. And I think from the perspective of the fan, it's a better product. It's, it's, it's another thing in this season of, uh, urgency. It's more urgent. Blake, being on the road yesterday, I had the opportunity to listen to different announcers. I was flipping back and forth between the Indians and the Twins game and the Reds and the Tigers game, and I unfortunately had to listen to the Tiger announcers. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but the Tiger announcers said that when you play seven-inning baseball, it changes the aspect of the game and puts the importance on scoring first. Do you agree with that? I think baseball has always been about scoring first. Um, I mean, I bet if you look over the history of baseball, 60% of the time, whoever scores first wins. That's that's just the game. That's That changes the way it's managed. It changes the way it's played. Um, the team behind can't really play for one run. They're always playing for a big run, big inning. Um, I don't think that really matters. I mean, if you look at the first game yesterday, the Reds scored first. It was three to nothing, but Detroit comes back and ties it. So the scoring first didn't matter. The game basically started over in the seventh, mm-hmm. and the Reds beat them in a one-inning game. That's no different than the history of baseball. I could see it being a bigger deal in game two because Bauer goes the distance and 111 pitches. So theoretically, if that was a nine-inning game, they have two innings against the Reds' bullpen, which has been a joke so far this season. You know, I think if you've got a weak bullpen, Blake, a seven-inning game helps you out tremendously. Without a doubt. And I still don't think the Reds have a weak bullpen. I think their guys are just struggling. What are they going to do about Iglesias? I mean, he finally came in and pitched a good inning yesterday, but as the Tiger announcers were saying, the the Reds secretly will tell you they're a little bit concerned about him. 
if they're not concerned about him, they don't know shit about baseball. <laughs> um, he was terrible last year, and he was terrible in his first outing this year, maybe first two outings. He led the majors in losses for a reliever last year. Um, that being said, his stuff is still stupid. It's so good. Everything he throws moves. Um, I think for him, it's a command and a confidence thing. I was more impressed with what he did in the sixth inning, getting them out of that jam where it was two on, two out, than I was him throwing a perfect seventh. To me, it was more important for him to get out of that tough jam. Um, I still, right. I still don't think, uh, I don't know that he's my closer, but I would have said coming into the year Michael Lorenzen was, and he's been terrible too. So, Well, it's interesting how you say the closer role, and the closer role right now I think is up in the air for the Indians. Brad Hand came in as the closer, and he had been all last season, but towards the tail end of the year he started tailing off, pardon the pun, and now you've got Karachik, and Karachik is a guy – that has got, as you say, just stupid stuff about Iglesias. Well, this guy has got an over-the-top curveball that is just making hitters right now look sick. One of the funny things I heard yesterday, or I'm sorry, on Saturday, Blake, was when they brought in Karachik to face one of the, the Twins hitters, and he got a 3-2 and two count uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning with two men on and two out, a two-strike count on the batter, or three and two, I should say, and the announcer said he's going to come in here with a fastball. And I thought, this guy ain't coming with a fastball. His best pitch is the curveball. And sure as heck, a 12-6 to curveball, and he ended up striking out Sano to get out of the inning. And the announcers for the Twins were just astounded that he would throw a curveball on a 3-2 pitch. But that's the way this kid is. Right now, he's two for two in closed situations. Hand is the same, but, I mean, the problem with the Indians right now has been their hitting, Blake. And when you look at the the hitting aspect of the Indians, they really have not gotten anybody untracked, with the exception of maybe Hernandez and Jose Ramirez at the top of the order. You know, I'm kind of surprised, to be honest with you. I, I understand it's just the first two weeks of the season. But Cesar Hernandez is a guy that I'm shocked the Phillies let go so easily. The Indians got him for a two-year contract at $6 million a year. Blake, this guy's hitting close to 400 for the Indians and playing excellent second base. What were the Phillies thinking? They were thinking that production at second base is easy to replicate. Um, that's one of the positions that is the easiest to get, you know, average play. Um, now, I think Hernandez is obviously playing better than average right now. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's just one of those things. It's a luxury, and they wanted Didi Gregorius. They wanted all these guys. They had to let somebody go. Yeah, I, I understand Gregorius. I get that. But I'll tell you what, Hernandez is really doing a good job. I got a feeling, though, that the Indians are probably going to shuffle this lineup when Terry Francona comes back. I'm not sure if you heard or not, but he did not manage yesterday's game. He's got some sort of a gastrointestinal problem that 
Uh, he was unable to manage yesterday's game, flew back to Cleveland to get checked out at the Cleveland Clinic. They say it is not COVID-related, but, of course, during this time where everything appears to be COVID-related, you kind of wonder. And Sandy Alomar Jr. took over the bench duties yesterday for the Indians. Still, you know, Blake, you could push all the right buttons, and I thought Sandy Alomar Jr. did yesterday. And if the players do not come through when you send them up there, it doesn't matter who the manager is. I've been spending a lot of time this last week or so arguing with Reds fans online. Oh, that's always fun, isn't it? Yeah, they're idiots. (laughs) Um, They were – everybody was complaining about taking Disclafani out yesterday, not mentioning the fact that Nick Castellanos dropped the routine five on right. Mm-hmm. If they if he leaves the disco out there and he gets hit around, they're crushing him for leaving him out there. It, it, when you're a Cincinnati sports figure, you're literally in a no win situation. No, I I agree with you. And and the fact the fact is, Blake, Disclafani is coming back after an arm injury from a year ago. You you don't want to throw him out there and and have him blow out his arm in the span of, you know, just two games. Well, and these people are stupid because they don't realize that he struggles the third third, third time through an order. Um, he always has. It's been something about him since he first came up. First two th- times through an order, he is unhittable. Then he changes dramatically that third time. So that was another reason. Just because he was pitch efficient, doesn't mean you leave him out there. And, and it's a seven-inning game. Yeah, and I mean, you feel like at a three-to-nothing game, they've mustered no offense. Why not try to get some bullpen work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you, coming back with Bauer in game two, you're not really trying to save any bullpen arms either. Because, you, you know, you know Trevor Bauer well enough. He's even got decent stuff. He's going the distance for seven innings. Oh yeah, he's just—that's just who he is. You know, you talk about the fans online. Well, we're gonna we're gonna cater to those fans online right now because I was asked on Facebook they were interested in hearing what you and I thought of the triple play that the Cubs pulled last week. It wasn't week. a triple play. It was not a triple play. <laughs> I've turned to unassisted triple plays in my life. That was not a triple play. No. And the the thing about it is, Blake, how can that – I understand the rule that anything in front of the umpires is not reviewable. But whoever sat back in a dark room one night and made up that rule has never played baseball before because there's a lot of things that can happen in front of the umpire, I think you would agree, that need to be relooked. A 100%. Um, anything that can be fixed by replay – should be reviewed. Right. Um, there's certain things, I guess, that shouldn't be, but that's not one of them. I, I, I don't understand how, I mean, especially that play, which was in front of the umpire, of the third base umpire, I get it, but it was a backhanded play by Bryant at third base that he short hopped, but if you're at the standard position where the third base umpire was, you can't see that if it bounced in front of his glove. It's impossible 
for you to see. That's something, and the home plate umpire is not close enough to see if it bounced. The second base umpire, I'm not sure where he was at the time, Blake, but the way Bryant played that ball, you could see conceivably say that Bryant shielded the second base umpire from seeing whether it hit the way he played it. So, I mean, the only person left to look at it is the first base umpire, and that's when you've got to go to replay and check this thing out. Yeah, they uh, at that point, they're going off sound. They 100% can't see that play. Yeah. Ever. So they're they're going on what it looks like as far as how he sells it and how it sounds. It's just like a bang-bang play at first. Like, you're watching the foot, and you're listening for the ball to hit the glove. You can't do both. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're cross-eyed, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing that's really bothered me this season is I think they should be able to roll, uh, review hit-by-pitch. Yeah. Because there have been three or four times in the Reds' nine games – that I've seen guys at first base laughing at umpires because they know they didn't get hit. <laughs> and they just keep sending them down because they sell it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, you can't see it. They're going off what it sounds like and what the guy acts like. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, like we said, the Indians and the Reds each went three and three last week. The Indians right now are five and five on the season. They're in third place. In the American League Central, two and a half games behind the Twins. That's what made this weekend series with the Twins so important. I was hoping for a split. They won one out of four. Meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, the Reds, boy, when you take a look at what they're doing, they finished three and three on the week. They're four and five overall. They're three games behind the Cubs at seven and two and the Brewers at three and three. I gotta tell you, Blake, I'm looking at the Cubs. In the first spot of the Central. I'm looking at the Braves at seven and three, the first top spot in the East, and the Rockies at six and two. I am not sold on any of those teams the way they've been playing baseball. The Braves are seven and three, but I gotta tell you, I don't think they've been very impressive. I would agree with that completely. Um, I mean, we watched the Cubs for three or four games here, and they didn't impress me at all. No. Um, the Reds could have beat them in every game. Um, I think there was one that the Cubs kind of blew open, but yeah, I mean, I, the Reds could easily be seven and two right now without two bullpen implosions. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs could easily be five and four without the Reds' two bullpen implosions. So, you know, we, we, I don't know, man. We talked as the show got underway, Blake, about how the Reds and the Indians may have the top two pitching staffs in baseball, at least the the top starting five uh, in baseball. And with these two teams playing four games over the next four nights, the first two down here in Cincinnati on Monday, Tuesday, tonight and tomorrow, and then Wednesday, Thursday up in Cleveland. I'm telling you, Blake, I think it's going to be fairly interesting, and it might be hard for either one of these teams to score some runs in this series. Without a doubt. Um, the big question for the Reds comes, does Bauer throw Thursday? 
Oh, you you better believe he wants to face the Indians. Of course he wants to. <laughs> um, that's kind of why I'm surprised he threw game two yesterday. Um, but they needed to get that sweep. They needed to stay in the running early in the, early in the season. So I'm surprised he took the ball yesterday, and I will not be surprised if he takes the ball again on Thursday. Yeah, and that game is a 6-10 game up in Cleveland. You you bet he wants to do that one. And then they've got the Brewers. Now, I know the Brewers are 3-3, three and three, but realistically, Blake, I think the Reds could get through this Brewers series uh, pitching, you know, their 4-5-1 and one starters and Gray coming back on Sunday and pitching because he's pitching tonight. Uh, Gray would probably throw Saturday. You think he'd throw Saturday, even if Bauer goes on Thursday? Yeah, and then you would go somebody else on Friday, and then Gray Castillo Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Um, I don't know who they would throw on Friday. Probably DeSclafani, actually. Yeah, I would think it'd be DeSclafani. Um, There's a lot of chatter that Hunter Green is going to get a start here pretty soon. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they bring Connor Green up. It's as a bullpen arm. Um, just my thought. I don't know. I don't have any inside information. Um, that's just what I think. Yeah. Yeah. That that does seem to be. I mean, it's fairly prevalent all over the place. I mean, even even uh, John Heyman with Major League Baseball Network was talking about uh, the Reds were discussing bringing him up for a start in the next two weeks. Yeah, because their their rotation is kind of in a weird spot because of the double doubleheader, mm-hmm. and they have another doubleheader coming up with the Cubs. Um, they haven't announced a date yet, but so I could see it. I just don't know if he's the guy that I bring up. I probably bring up Lodolo first um, before I bring up Hunter Green. Yeah, well, I know Francona. The plan is, according to Chris Antonetti, who said it earlier today. It just not, just does not make any sense since Terry is in Cleveland at the Cleveland Clinic today getting checked out uh, for him to go back down to Cincinnati for the game tomorrow night and then come back to Cleveland for the game on Wednesday. So it appears that Sandy Alomar Jr. is going to be the Indians' manager for the first two games of this four-game set against the Reds. We call I call it a four-game set. I don't know what what you would call it, Blake, but, I mean, you got two games – here at Great American Ballpark, and then you've got two games up at Progressive Field, so you might as well call it a four-game set. We can call it the 75 series. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, 75, 71. How, I guess it's 71, actually. Is it's, it 71? Yeah, I don't it's, know. yeah, it's Route 71. You know, and, and both places have a great ballpark, and it, it, it's too bad that the fans can't get out and see it, but... Again, I was listening to the Twins announcers yesterday during the Twins-Indians game. Dan Gladden is the color announcer for the Twins Network, and he used to play left field for the Twins back when they won their last World Series championship in the mid-'80s when they had Kirby Puckett and Jack Morris and uh, Ken Herbeck and players like that on the team. But Gladden said something, Blake, that – I had not heard, and I'm going to defer to you if you've heard it, but he said that he believes the fans will be returning to see games in person in stadiums within two weeks. Have you heard that? 
I haven't heard that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I'd be surprised if it was in two weeks. Um, but I would not be shocked if it happened soon. Well, I know they're going to try to push this season through, and I don't blame them. But, you know, you've got the, the Miami Marlins, I guess, according to Manfred and some other some other uh, sources, said that the Marlins just basically flaunted all of the rules that Major League Baseball put in place, and that's what caused their problem. The Phillies basically got freaked out because they were in the same locker room. But here's the big thing. Nobody knows what's going on with the Cardinals. And the Cardinals... They know where they got it. Where'd they get it? Nobody seems to be able to say oh, anything. Oh, yeah. They, they, a big group of their team was at a casino. Huh. That flaunted the rules and went to the casino. Oh, my gosh. Yep, that's what they were saying. That the um, Marlins got it in a nightclub. And the Cardinals got it in a casino. Now that that's so basically not playing to the rules. Yeah, and that that's what upset Manfred a lot. I think he was very very upset over this, but basically just shut his mouth and and went along his merry way. Another thing, Blake, that he was upset about, and I thought this was funny, was the Joe Kelly, the the Dodgers reliever, that incident idiot. last week against the Astros. Manfred's an idiot. <laughs> Did you see, I don't know who tweeted it, but it might have even been Trevor Bauer. Um, you can cheat and win a World Series and get no punishment, but you laugh at a guy and make a whiny face, you get suspended for 20% of the season. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. When you watch the composite of Kelly's inning of work, it's hilarious because either he is the greatest actor to ever take the mound, even better than Kevin Costner. <laughs> or he had absolutely no control in that game, and if that was the case, how in the world can you tell if he's throwing at anybody? Because he laughed at him. They make it seem like it was intentional. Well, Correa, they... I think he absolutely was intentionally throwing at him. I think at a couple of them he was, but I mean, they're, I mean, towards the end of his work in that inning... He he was so inconfident in his fastball, Blake, that he just started throwing all curveballs. Yeah, I mean, he almost hit somebody with a curveball. Like, nobody tries to hit somebody to hurt him with a curveball. No. If you throw 96 and you want to hurt somebody, you hit him with 96. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it, it's crazy. But, you know, the only thing is, is that, of course, what stirred all this up is the fact that that's – you know, they say the Astros cheated to win the series against the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are holding some bad blood over it. What I didn't get was, you know, as you said, Manfred's an idiot. How in the world can you suspend Joe Kelly for eight games in a 60-game season? If you do that, Blake, and you take it and prorate it against 162 games, that's a 20-game suspension that he is giving Joe Kelly, which is 20 games more than he gave anybody on the Astros roster. Then on top of that, he finds Dusty Baker? What what would what would Dusty what was Dusty Baker doing? He gave um Joe Kelly more time suspended than Amir Garrett for trying to fight the entire <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates team. <laughs> and Yasiel Puig. Yeah. Yeah. I a couple of years ago, Johnny Cueto kicked a guy in the head with cleats. 
and they didn't get suspended for 20 games. Right. I can see a five or six game suspension that's at least one start. Um, but as a reliever, spend him for three games and yeah. move on. Yeah, move, move on from, and I understand Dave Roberts getting a one game suspension. I think Roberts just said, you know, to heck with this. It's, it's, it's not worth messing around with, so let's just go with it. Okay. But Dusty Baker, for crying out loud, Blake, he's one of the nicest guys in Major League Baseball. It was his team that was agreed against, if you, if you want to put it that way. And Dusty Baker gets a $50,000 fine? It's mind boggling. I, he wasn't even involved in the cheating, right? Like, right. What are we doing? I I don't get it. I just don't understand it. And I, but then again, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, but Joe Kelly, you know, those faces that Joe Kelly made. I haven't seen faces like that, Blake, since I was on the elementary place playground. I thought it was hilarious. I did too. Yeah, it, it's like who cares. And but the Astros seem to, but the Astros better get used to it. Without a doubt, if that's if they think that's the worst that's going to happen to them, they better buckle up. Yeah, put their chin straps on God, and get ready no to go. Fans in the stands. Oh my gosh! You know, I, I'm you know I've been looking around Blake, and I want to get back to this. The fans coming back to the the stadium. I can't find anything on the internet about it that they're even considering this. But Dan Gladden. You know, being a color man on the radio, you would think that he's got to have some sort of inside information before he would go out there and spew that kind of information about it. But I can't find anything anywhere that says that Major League Baseball is considering lending the fans back in. Well, I don't think Major League Baseball has said they're not. Um, I think it's up to local governments already at this point. I know they said a few weeks ago, because the Reds put in a plan to the city of Cincinnati that was like our plan for if we can hold up to 25% of our stands. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was up to the local governments to approve those, I think. So I, I don't think Major League Baseball is going to just come out and say, yeah, everybody can bring fans back. I think it's going to be up to each local area. Yeah, um, you know, Toronto basically came in. Of course, nobody can cross the Canadian border right now. So I, I understand that. Still, I don't understand how come the NHL teams can, but the Major League Baseball teams, you know, Toronto Blue Jays, couldn't play in Toronto. But that that's another story. Well, that's because the NHL teams came down here, and now they're in the bubble. Well, yeah, I was watching. Have you watched any of the NBA in the bubble? Yeah. Isn't that strange? It's almost like watching, it's like watching Vegas, the Vegas league in the summer. Wish that for LeBron's there. (laughs) Yeah. It's different for sure. And it's all different, but it's better than not having it. Uh, Yeah, I agree. It's better than not having it because it gives you something to do at night rather than just sit around and watch reruns or Netflix or, or YouTube, you know, little snippets and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not quite sure to be honest with you, Blake. What in the heck I'm going to do over the fall? I know, <laughs> I, I know Ohio State. I mean, this is going to be the first fall that I haven't had anything to do in a long time, and I know Ohio State. They're telling everybody get ready for just 25 percent of the capacity at Buckeye Stadium. But again, they're going to play. 
All right, they're going to play. You know, That's, it, it, regardless of what your thoughts on this pandemic are, it's time for us to start living our freaking lives again. It, it, everybody's wearing masks everywhere they go, and the cases continue to rise. So something else is going on here. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just not enough to change everything about the way we've lived our life. I mean, I saw a stat the other day, and this is terrible regardless, but whatever the number is, 3,000 and something people have died in Ohio from COVID this year. Over 6,000 people have died from overdoses this year. That's, like, that's the disease, too. Let's treat that the same way we're treating COVID and, and eradicate it. You know what I mean? Like, it's Blake, just... you're preaching to the choir right now. There are so many things that I could say about the drug problem here in Cincinnati that I would love to go on record and say, but I just I keep my mouth shut mainly because of the position that I'm in. Um, but I just don't understand how things happen in a few counties down around here in southeastern Ohio and how some aspects of it are let alone and other aspects of it are penalized. I just don't get it. Yeah, and the whole thing is, is you know, drugs are going to happen no matter what. Right, like it's it's terrible. They go back to the beginning of time. People were doing substances that you know they didn't know anything about to change their perspective on life or whatever. Yeah, and that's whatever to me. But the fact that more people have died from overdoses in Ohio this year than from COVID, and all we've never heard anything about anything but COVID, is like, what are we doing? Now, I say all those things with, I don't want anybody to die from anything. Not good. But there needs to be some common sense at some point. Amen to that. Amen to that. You know, that that's the one thing I want, I want to. Before we leave, I want to take a moment, and I know I'm catching you on the fly with this, but I know you can speak speak to it because it's already been announced. Uh, 30-year athletic director Steve Radcliffe at the Mount stepping down. Blake, I saw the the uh, little uh, vignette that I know you and some others put together uh, memorializing Steve and his contributions to the university over the years. I thought it was just outstanding. I don't know how in the world you did it on the fly, but you did a great job with that. I just wanted to commend you for that and also commend Steve because – you know, I'm going to tell people just a little story here before I let you have the floor, Blake. You know, when I when I came to you guys four years ago, I know you you had to sell it to Steve about us doing the broadcast. And Steve, for it, you've never told me. I don't know if he was for it, against it, or whatever. I don't care because of the fact that Steve never, ever saw me and turned his nose up in the air. Every time he saw me, Blake, he stopped and said, hello, how are you doing? And I know he was that way with everybody. I, I for one, am going to miss him at the Mount. I know he'll be around there still, but, you know, he was an outstanding individual. 
Um, I'm just going to miss the guy. Oh, my God, me too. Um, in 30 years, we've had a lot of people retire from the mountain the last month or two. And some of them had more time at the mountain seat. And they will be greatly missed. But no one made a bigger impact on a university than Steve Radcliffe. That guy treated everyone the way you speak of. It don't matter if you're the guy that cleans the toilets or the president of the university. He treats everyone the same with respect, dignity. He's one of the most genuinely good human beings I've ever met in my life. And I will miss him dearly at the Mount. Yeah. We all will. Yeah. I will, too. Any ideas what he's going to do? Is he going to take that vet out for a spin a few more times? He was saying something about taking it to some car shows. <laughs> that is a great machine that he's got there, I'll tell you. <laughs> Amen, brother. Well, the Reds are going to play the Brewers this weekend after they play the Indians Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, of course, then the Indians, of course, are playing the Reds. And the Indians then will be going to Chicago to take on the White Sox. And we'll talk all about that coming up later on in the week. Okay, Blake? Next Monday night? Absolutely, Dave. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you again next week. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm so glad you could kick back and join us here on this Monday night. Glad you could do that. And, of course, we'll be back again next Monday night with another edition starting at 7 o'clock. Reds and the Indians. First pitch has already been underway, and they'll play again tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. Until next Monday night at 7 o'clock, for Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody.